Praise God. We're going to do the second part of the uh, series that we're doing on the Christmas story. I don't know what you're like when it comes to surprises. I'm one of those people that really likes surprises. I like things to happen unexpectedly. I love this time of year because you find that quite often people just drop in and they bring you nice little Christmassy kind of things, cards and gifts and things like that. I like that. Uh, I like it, you know, going for drinks with friends, old friends get in touch, say, oh, we should meet up, and you go out, and that's nice. And uh, I like checks in the post. <laughs> yeah, checks from family members. Uh, that's fantastic, isn't it, when you get a little check through the post. You get Christmas cards sometimes, and you open them, and say, oh, it's just a Christmas card. But it's nice when, it's nice when you get a check in your Christmas card. Really good, brilliant. So, any tips? Um, and of course, the presents. The presents. You can't go through Christmas without mentioning presents because uh, the thing about presents is that you never know quite what's in them. I love the fact that they're wrapped up so you can't actually see them. And there they are all under the tree. And every now and again, you might go and have a little search and see if your name's on any of them. And you have a little squeeze and try and guess what's in it. Of course, it's not as exciting now that I'm an adult. It's not the same. You know, you don't tend to get exciting presents when you get old like me. And, uh, yeah, thank you, thank you. Socks, well, do you know, sometimes you get exciting socks. I got some Homer Simpson ones last year, which are really good, I really like those. It says, world's best dad on them. I thought that was particularly good. But I like surprises, but not all surprises are as welcome. Like the one that Joseph had on that first Christmas uh, when he found out that his fiancée was pregnant and that it definitely wasn't his. I mean, that was a bit of a shock, wasn't it? I mean, to say that he was surprised, I think, was probably a bit of an understatement, more like shock, which is why we've called it today a shocking surprise. And uh, I, I can't help but feel sorry for Joseph, actually, because you know what happened? As soon as Mary found out from the angel that she was going to have a baby, the first thing she did, presumably in her excitement, was run out of the house, not to Joseph's house. No, she ran out of the house and she ran into the next village to her cousin's house, Elizabeth. And she's full of it. She's saying, oh, this wonderful news. And then, do you know what? She find out, amazing, Elizabeth too. She is also pregnant, and there's been this miraculous encounter with an angel too, and it's all just really exciting. And in fact, they're so excited that what they both decide to do is to get together for the next three months. So poor old Joseph doesn't see Mary for three months because she's off in the next village with her cousin. And and I just kind of feel sorry for him. Uh, and, you know, I don't know why it was. Why was it that Mary didn't think to sort of at least drop him a card and say, hey, by the way, love, I'm pregnant, but it's all right. You know, give him some warning. Because is it any wonder that the next time that Joseph sees her, he's a little bit surprised? Because, you know, the first thing she knows, he knows, is that she's three months pregnant. I mean, she might not have been showing that much, but it's usually enough, isn't it? Three months to see what's going on. And how awkward must that conversation have been? Uh, hi, Mary, I uh, haven't seen you f- for a bit. You've been 
away. You, you've been at your cousin's house, right? Okay. It, Elizabeth, next, right. Uh, she been feeding you quite well. Not a good idea, Mary. We spent all that money on the uh, wedding dress, and you put on a bit. Don't like to say, but you know, you don't say this to a woman. But you, you're what? You did what? It happened when? How? You can just imagine it, you know, she could have said, well, you know, there was this angel looking all kind of scary, and Joseph would say, well, you're definitely scaring me, you know. Where's this baby come from? Whose is it? This story about an angel? It's quite obvious that Joseph didn't, didn't believe her. And uh, what was he meant to think out of the blue like that? Put yourself in his position. What would you think? Let's just read the story in Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 25. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. And because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and didn't want to expose her to public disgrace... He had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take home Mary as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins." All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus Well, Joseph's obviously in a predicament here. But before we get into that, let me just explain something about Middle Eastern marriages. It says that Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. This isn't the same as engagement. Being engaged in a sort of Western sense is much more serious. They are promised to each other, but they're not living together or having sexual relationships. And this betrothal period, as it was called, would last for about a year during which the wife, as she would be called, from that point of view, she would be Joseph's wife, would, but would continue to live in her father's house under his protection, preserving her honour. The honour thing is really important. It's really important. As he is there, his father, the father is there, to protect the bride's honour until the time when he fully hands her over to her husband. So that is when they, they come together properly, sexually, and they live together. And so Joseph's dilemma in finding that Mary was pregnant was not should he continue with the marriage, he was already married to her, but whether he would continue to take Mary home as his wife, because in his mind her honour had been lost. And he was an honourable man. He was keen to do what was right. And how often are we in that position where... You know what the right thing is to do. 
You know, the legal thing is to go through with the divorce. That was the right thing. He was an honorable man. Divorcing her was the right thing to do, but he says that he wanted to do it quietly. You know, so often we want to do the right thing, but how often is it that we want to do it in a graceful way? We just want our rights. We want to insist on our rights. You've wronged me, so therefore that means this. But Joseph wasn't like that. He wanted to go about it quietly. How willing are we to go quietly about some of these things that abuse us? How often do we look for peaceful ways to resolve things? And how Joseph could have actually have done it is uncertain, because as with divorces today, documents need to be signed, witnesses secured, money sorted out, a dowry to be returned, and this would have involved her father, and so on and so on. So how he could have actually done it quietly, we don't know. And But he's in a really difficult position. If he said that he wasn't the father by using her apparent adultery as grounds for divorcing her, Mary would be condemned as an adulteress. The penalty for this, public execution and stoning. That was his right. That was the honourable thing to do, which sounds awful to us. But if, on the other hand, he lied and claimed to be the father, then the reputations of them both would be brought into question and would also make things difficult for Jesus, who would live with that stigma of being Mary's illegitimate son. And Joseph surely couldn't have realised the cosmic consequences of this decision. But thankfully, he decides not to rush his decision, but to sleep on it, which is always a good thing to do, isn't it, when you don't know what to do, sleep on it. And then during the night, he has a dream. And there are many times in the Bible, aren't there, when God speaks to people through dreams, and he still does. And I think it's interesting that God has to wait for for Joseph to fall asleep before he could speak to him. Uh, And I've often found this to be the case. It seems that when there are lots of emotions involved sometimes, it's the only way for God to speak to us. And it seems that God often achieves more in us when we're asleep than when we're awake. It's just like when the surgeon puts us to sleep to spare us the pain of the operation. It's almost like God allowed Joseph to go into this sleep so that he could really speak into his heart. So don't dismiss dreams too quickly. Now maybe God is speaking to you at the moment through dreams. I've, you know, I've been called I've spoken to by three or four people just this week because God has been speaking to them or they've had dreams which they've woken up and felt there's something significant about this. And in this dream, the angel appears to him in a message, and with a message. And, and you know, I can't help but thinking, well, you know, this is a bit inconvenient. I mean, you could have said to the angel, you were there three months ago at Mary's house. Couldn't you have just gone along a few doors, knocked on Joseph's door and just explained things to him? It wouldn't have been such a shock. You know, he wouldn't have had to prepare himself for this. He wouldn't have had to go through all this stress. <laughs> but for some reason, God doesn't tell him ahead of time what's going to happen in his life. God doesn't tell him what's happening. Why? 
Because, so the Bible says that God is all-knowing. He knows the end from the beginning and everything in between. But he still doesn't tell us everything. There's many times in our lives when we encounter things, you say, God, why didn't you warn me about this? Why couldn't you have just helped me, prepared me for this? Why am I going through these things? But for some reason, God doesn't tell Joseph until this point. So Joseph is put through a bit of a test, a bit of a test of faith. Hands up who likes tests. Who likes exams? Is there anybody here who enjoys a good test? Yeah? A good trial, maybe. Yeah. And just think about the consequences of Joseph failing this test. Why would God take such a risk? But it's the same for all of us when it comes to the identity of Jesus. Because who would have thought it? God, in human form, as a helpless baby. Who would have thought it? A virgin conceiving, a a teenage woman conceiving God. God growing in her womb. Who would have imagined such a story? And this story, in reality, tests us all. Even today, as we've sung about him, as we've worshipped him, Jesus Christ, it tests us. It says, who do you think he is? Who is Jesus? And it's a crucial question, and I think Christmas is a really good time to reevaluate that, to ask that. Who was this baby? Who is Jesus now? And I, I think that this is God's biggest test for mankind. And we all have to have an answer for it, either now during our lifetime or one day we will stand before God and face to face we'll have to give an answer to him for who Jesus is and the opportunities that we had to get to know him. But Joseph was told the answer to the question. The angel said that Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. There it is. That's the answer. That's what made the difference. You see, this isn't just a dream in the night. It's not just the result of a a bad curry the night before. This is no psychological outworking of Joseph's tortured mind. This is God breaking in to the situation. This is a, a revelation from God. It's a moment of supreme clarity. It's the moment when God speaks. And there's nothing more wonderful than that moment. There's nothing more wonderful than when God speaks. There's that incredible sense of peace that comes, that sense of order that comes, all the turmoil and the confusion in our lives, just like for Joseph. You know, moments before, Joseph's head head was in a complete spin. He was completely confused about his wife's apparent unfaithfulness and the right thing to do, and he'd almost decided it. He'd almost decided that the right thing to do, I've got to divorce her. I haven't got a choice. 
but I'll do it quietly. And then God turns up. And that's what every human being that has ever lived needs to happen. Every one of us needs that encounter with God. We need him to break into our lives. We need him to speak. There's nothing like it to make sense of our lives. There's nothing like it in finding peace in this world. There's nothing like it to receive healing for our hearts and our souls. And it's what we need to make sense of Jesus, a revelation of God, because Jesus is inexplicable. The story of Christmas is incredible. It's unbelievable. Even Paul, the apostle who wrote most of the New Testament, says that this story about Jesus is foolishness. It makes no logical sense. It's a rock that people stumble over. It's a rock that makes us fall. That's what Paul said about this incredible story of Jesus. Do you think that's shocking? And now I've got some good news for you. That God is speaking. God is speaking to every one of us. And, uh, and actually it's a lot of what this chapter is about, God speaking. So I just want to go through very quickly some of those uh, instances that Matthew mentions in this passage. There are five, but I'm going to go through them quite quickly. Because first of all, we can see that God is speaking through history. Because God is in charge of history. I mean, he wrote it. God is in charge of history. That's what all those family names are about at the, at the beginning of Matthew chapter 1. Uh, God's plan of people finding one another, getting married, having children that have children. And it's amazing, isn't it? I mean, have you ever thought about what would have happened if your mum had never met your dad? How did I come to be? I don't know if you've ever looked at your family tree and just think, the chances of that happening, of me being born. Um, But that's what's going on right at the beginning of this chapter, crossing centuries, God working out his plan to bring Jesus into the world. And there's some pretty amazing parts to that story which we don't have time to go into. But Jesus hasn't got the best pedigree. (laughs) In one sense, there's a whole mixture of people involved And there's some good ones and some bad ones. God has an amazing way of redeeming our history. And God still speaks through history. Today, even our personal history, I mean, many of us sitting here today can trace God's intervention in our lives, can't we? This person I met who introduced me to that person, that's how I got to meet Jesus. That's how I got to go to that church. God's fingerprints all over our lives. Think about it. Dreams. We've already mentioned this, but listen to your dreams. And as I've said before, in our family, we have this habit of asking one another, what did you dream about last night? And uh, you'd be amazed at some of the dreams that we have and how many times God speaks to us through those. We also get some pretty bizarre stuff at times as well, but we also get some really good stuff. Ask God for a dream tonight. I encourage you to do that. Ask God to speak to you in a dream. And we can see in this story that God speaks through supernatural means. Now, on this occasion, God sent an angel to speak to Joseph. But there are still many angels in the world today 
speaking to people God's words. Sometimes those angels are people. Sometimes it's a thought breathed into your ear or snatches of a conversation overheard, circumstances that lead us down a certain route or perhaps even an actual angel. But God's speaking through all sorts of different supernatural means. And then God speaks through the Bible. I mean, I think it's great that this angel who's come out of the presence of God quotes scripture. He doesn't just come on his own authority. He said, he quotes the Old Testament, that fantastic verse in verse 23, that the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And the, the Bible, of course, is the place where most people seem to hear God speak to them. And you know, God speaks throughout the Bible about a whole range of different issues. I want to encourage you to read the Bible regularly and find God's highlighter pen over different passages that leap out to you and apply to your lives. And then finally, and most importantly, God speaks through who Jesus was. Emmanuel, God with us in verse 22. Everything about Jesus' birth, his life and his death speaks to us today. And if we want to hear from God, then we need to take a look at Jesus, God with us, amongst us, completely identified with us as a man. And I think that the amazing thing about Jesus' name being Emmanuel, God with us, means that God is not distant and far off and uninterested in our lives. He's close to us. He's involved. He sees us. We're not invisible to him. He wants to be involved in our lives. Five ways that God speaks to us just from this passage. There are more. And I just want to pray for you today uh, about God speaking to you into your life and into your situation at the end. I want to pray about that. I believe that God wants to speak to some people today. But let's just finish off the story, because obviously Joseph does take Mary as his wife. See, Joseph passes his test of faith, and he wins this amazing privilege of being Jesus' earthly father. I mean, wow, what a privilege is that, to actually be the earthly father of God. I don't even know if I can get my head around what that must have meant. The passage reads it like this. It says that Joseph woke up. <laughs> he woke up and did what the angel commanded him, took Mary home as his wife. And each one of us need to wake up, don't we? We need to have that point of waking up where we hear what God is saying to us. And when we hear what God is saying to us, there's incredible strength and resources in faith. And as you know, the Bible says that faith comes by hearing the word of God. There's incredible power and potential unlocked when we hear God's voice, when we hear him speaking into our situations. This is what changes our lives. An encounter with God where we hear him, we wake up and we change the direction of our lives. And because of what Joseph heard, he took Mary as his wife. He took her home, into his house, into his family. He gave her the protection of the marriage. He gave her his good name. So Joseph wasn't the biological father of Jesus. He was born by the Holy Spirit, but Joseph was the legal father of Jesus. And so Jesus bore his name in the kingly line of David. What an incredible 
reward and privilege for his obedience. And there was no scandal in the village either. There was no scandal about it because God took care of that. Shortly after Mary gave birth in Bethlehem, another town, they had to flee to Egypt, not returning to their village until Jesus was a young child. (laughs) Wonderful. Mary's reputation was intact, and as you know from reading the rest of the Gospels, Joseph, uh, Jesus was known as the carpenter's son in that town because Joseph was a righteous man who responded to God with faith. And I want to say that God has an incredible way of restoring our lives when we come to him. He really does arrange the details of our lives when we put them into his hands and we look to obey him. You know, some of us have made some very big mistakes in the past. And God is able not only to forgive them, but also to help us to live with the consequences of those mistakes, or even to change the circumstances. And I just feel that... uh, that this talk really is about us hearing from God for our lives, about God speaking into our situations and into our circumstances and into our families. There's an incredible redemption in God speaking into our lives. And I just want to pray for you. I mean, that's it. Uh, but I just want to pray for you and ask God to... ask for people to encounter God this morning. That's what I feel. I feel that that's what he wants for us. He wants us to have fresh encounters. He wants us to know his intervention in our lives this afternoon. Amen? So let's just pray then. Would you like to stand? The reason why I get you to stand is because it helps us to engage somehow. It's something to do with being human. When we sit down, we tend not to engage in the same way, okay? So, Lord Jesus, we want to thank you for this incredible visitation of God to our earth in a baby. Why would you do that, Lord? Why would you make yourself so vulnerable? Why would you identify with us that way? Why would you sink so low? But what an intervention. What a cost, what a price, what a deliverance for mankind. And Jesus, we want to come to you and stand in awe again at your visitation. But Lord, there's many of us here today that need a fresh intervention in our lives. Well, many of us need to hear from you again. Many of us need you to speak into our circumstances and situations. Lord, many of us need a change in our circumstances. And so, Lord, I just pray that even tonight there would be dreams all over this room. I pray, Lord, that there would be fresh revelations of things in the Bible. I pray, Lord, that there would even be angelic visitations through all different means. I pray, Lord, for supernatural encounters with you amongst us. I pray that Jubilee Church would be a church that knows its God, 
Jesus, we worship you. Lord, forgive us if we've not been listening because we know that you're always speaking. But Lord, right now we want to come into your presence and say, Lord, will you speak again? Would you breathe on our lives again? 